Well, here's Christopher Young. Yeah. Are you all right? No, I'm pretty sick. Hey, I've been sick all week. Yeah. You got a cold? I don't know, I guess. Yeah, everyone's Um, got the cold. This is going to be like an episode of the talk show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to eat some ice cream to get something in my stomach. You know that classic old uh, doctor's advice. Pack some ice cream into your gut. Hello and welcome to What's the Deal? The Seinfeld review show that leaves no trace uncovered. Each week we dissect every episode of Seinfeld in chronological order. With me today, as always, is Christopher Young. Yeah. And Patrick Armstrong. Hello. I'm Cameron Wong, and this is episode 44, and today we'll be looking at season 4, episode 5, The Wallet. And presumably, Patrick had his microphone on mute there as he took a bite of an apple. (laughs) Yeah, I did, actually. (laughs) It was my last bite. I finished it. Do you ever eat the core of the apple? No, I'm not Kramer. Well, some people do that. It's a weird thing to do. How do you do that? Just eat it. You just crunch it up. It is. I mean, it's edible in the way that wood is edible. It's just really unappealing to me. I just want that sweet, juicy, or not sweet, juicy. I just want that white flesh. (laughs) (laughs) This is our creepiest podcast intro ever. Luscious, luscious. I mean, if you eat if you eat a little bit of wood chip or something, you're not gonna get sick, right? Are you sure? What if like a piece splinters and like gets stuck into your intestinal tract? That's why you gotta chew it up first. Um, nom 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 nom. Tell us more about this sweet, juicy white flesh you're into. <laughs> uh. Anyway, how are you doing, Cameron? Uh, I'm all right. I'm. It's like Christmas Day over here. I'm What's... eagerly uh, anticipating the arrival of my iPhone. Oh, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I got a got an iPhone four off of eBay. Yeah, mm-hmm. you did five dollars. Nice. I don't think you could get an iPhone four on eBay for five dollars. Okay, well maybe I got an iPhone five S. Theoretically, oh. are you gonna better. do the? That's the one with the fingerprint unlock. That's do you think you're gonna you're gonna use the fingerprint unlock? Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go. Mm, See, I, well, I've told you before that as a as a high school teacher, sometimes if I put my phone down in my in my room or in my office, kids they tend not to want to actually steal your phone, but they want to like open it up and dink around and do things that you don't want them to. You've had kids do that too. Yes, Chris. God, kids suck. No, they're great. I just don't want them touching my phone. Wow. An iPhone 4 with a cracked back screen on eBay going for 177 Canadian dollars. What? That's insane. Yeah. I guess you can replace the back glass pretty pretty cheaply, but even so. Mm. Well, either way, I'm excited for this phone. I just yeah. realized it's got LTE. I'm going to move into the LTE world. Mm-hmm. 
you're gonna be able to play Candy Crush that much faster. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Chris, how's it going over there, pal? Oh, good. You sound, sound good. good. I know. Healthy. I hit, that mute, I hit that mute switch almost in time. Laughing <laughs> <laughs> spell. All we got was the first big cough and then a sound like you were at sea for a moment. <laughs> I was at sea. Our matey. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing okay. Sound uh, a little uh, under the weather. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super over the weather. Let's say that. That's not a thing. No, it's not. Um, we could start though. We could start it being a thing. Yeah, right now. Like, how you doing? <coughs> oh, I'm great. I'm way over the weather. Mm-hmm. That of course thing. that would only be appropriate if I wasn't sick. But when I'm not sick, like in a week or so, and I'm all recovered, I ask you how I'm doing. I'm like a million miles over the weather. Well, you know, like, it's, that's not a thing. I was sick this week. I have some sympathy. There's a cold going around Vancouver Island, and it's it's a nasty bit of one. Like, I, I feel like I still have some congestion. But I actually just yesterday listened to uh, an episode of What's the Deal show. I believe it was episode 30, where... It was in the middle of that spell where I had laryngitis. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And, like, that's that's pretty good, though, that none of us have been really sick while we've recorded the show. And then look at, look at you. I know. You're a mess. Look at me. Look at me, Jerry. Look at me. <laughs> Frankly, you disgust me. I, uh, I also bought something this week that I'm pretty happy about, though. I bought a new pair of headphones. Pretty excited about Oh, did you get the ones we talked about? Yeah, they're this Danish company called III. And they're, they're quite big, but they sound really nice and they're very comfortable. More than right now. Wow, I've never, I've never heard of that company. III? Yeah, as in AI, AI, AI. Oh. So, what's the, uh, tell us the model. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes for people who are uh, acquiring. <laughs> I bought the. TMA One Studio version headphones, engineered by Young Guru. No, not those ones. Those are slightly different. I just bought the regular Studio ones. Oh, nice! They look nice. Uh, did you get the one with the microphone? Yes, I did. Oh, is that the microphone you're speaking into? No, I'm still using my my Zoom recorder for that. So, why did you not there- get the Young Guru edition? Do you like the um, plain black? I don't think I liked the way the um, head pads were. Those ones look like more like a fi- like a microfiber kind of ear pad, whereas the ones that uh, on that I got are very like are, like around the ear. They like, suction around the whole ear. Mm-hmm. They're nice. They look nice. Yeah. Oh. that red? I didn't want that red cord. That red cord made it look like those. Beats by Dre headphones. I don't want anyway to think I have those. Why? why, why and why would you? Yeah. Those are like those are just the most awful looking. Like every one of them, they're just the most awful looking headphones. They're very popular. They sound really bad. Have you ever been like in an Apple store and tried a pair on? No, I never tried them on. They're just, I've already got a pair of headphones. They're they're very they're not good headphones. So practical, Patrick. 
They're good Actually, headphones. Try on these pants. No, I already have pants. I do actually kind of feel that way. <laughs> hey, I've been using this AeroPress all the time. I'm back on the coffee right now. Oh, oh yeah. on an AeroPress. How are you liking that thing? I'm loving it. Yeah. It's uh makes a nice cup of coffee. Yeah. I had some AeroPress coffee this morning. Pretty good. Are you having some right now? Nah, I finished it. Uh, yeah, I didn't finish mine, and now I just took a sip. It's pretty cold. I really, I hate that surprise when you pick up the cup and it's just all cold in the bottom. Yeah, you got to drink it fast. Josh has a pretty good theory that any cup of coffee or tea has only eight sips at the perfect temperature. That there's a few at the beginning where you're kind of kind of adjust, adjusting to the to the hotness before it cools down a little bit and then after those eight sips it's just it's just a little too cool and in in practice i found he's actually pretty close to right that it's about eight eight good sips at the perfect temperature that's why you gotta get those coffee julies julie <laughs> do you know yeah, what those she are? makes you coffee uh, they're these ridiculous, it was like a, kind of the worst of Kickstarter. They're like these metal blobs that you're supposed to put in your coffee that are supposed to like main, like cool them to the perfect temperature quickly and then maintain them at that temperature. Uh, but they don't work at all. Oh, uh, I'll put them in I was going to say that actually sounds like a good idea. No, they don't work. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, like there's no reason that the metal would hold the... Like, if the metal can take the heat from your coffee, like, there's no reason it would hold it better than the coffee itself. It's, so it's no, just like, a dumb idea. There's no small Bunsen burner in the bottom. No, I mean, you could use a tea light, I suppose, to keep your coffee warm. Maybe you should invest in something like that, Chris, to keep it at the right temperature. A tea light? Yeah. When you say invest, you mean spend a dollar for 50 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, more the apparatus to put... Uh, to like mm-hmm. hold your coffee cup. You know, one of those little things. You'll be golden. Have more than eight sips. Yeah. Patrick, what do you think about this eight sips? I, I don't know if I'm buying into this. Uh, I mean, usually, unless it's like a cup of coffee that's not made very well, it's normally not too hot at the beginning. It's normally like a nice temperature at the beginning. And then I just drink it until it's done. I mean, maybe if I get distracted in a conversation and forget about my coffee, it might be too cold, but I don't have this problem. But maybe I have I have a like a bigger range of temperatures that I enjoy coffee in. Cause that, that was kind of my feel, because I mean I'm I feel like I can drink the coffee right away, and then I don't know if it's relative to the amount of sips as much as it's relative to my amount of distraction. Sometimes if you get coffee at like a chain or like a fast food place or something, it'll come like incredibly hot, <coughs> like it'll seem like it's 200 degrees or something and I can't drink it at all. And then I'll just forget about it as I'm waiting for it to cool. And then I'll have that problem. But if you buy like, coffee from a nice place, it's a good temperature. Like Tim Horton's coffee right away is too hot to drink. Uh, I don't know. You have to wait for a bit. I feel like it's all right. Cause usually it's full of cream. Yeah. Oh, see if I get black. So yeah, I, get, I don't get any benefits of that. If There's your mistake. If you're drinking Tim Hortons coffee without anything, <coughs> that's no. a real problem. It's not. It's delicious. It's not. It is. 
So in this week's episode, we'll be looking at Season 4, Episode 5, The Wallet. Uh, in this episode, Jerry deals with the repercussions of throwing away a gift from his parents. Elaine returns and decides that she needs to break up with her doctor, uh, doctor lover, Dr. Reston. And Uncle Leo benefits from Jerry throwing away a gift. George passes on uh, the uh, NBC pilot offer, and Morty loses his wallet. Want to know more? Listen to this show. And while you're at it, visit whatsthedealshow.com, where you can find all of the show notes for today's show, as well as a list of all of our sponsors. (laughs) (laughs) Coffee Julie's, Tim Hortons, Pepsi. (laughs) Oh, I love a Pepsi, though. Um, yeah, so this episode starts off, uh, with a monologue and it's a foreshadowing monologue. Uh, Jerry talks about how he hates TV episodes that have a to be continued. It's upset. I mean, that's, that's not the monologue at the beginning of this episode. That's that's the end. Oh, maybe because I watched the syndication version. Uh, oh, it's because I watched, I watched it backwards. <laughs> that's why. <wild. laughs> <laughs> we weren't supposed to watch this memento style. <laughs> okay, so, so in the version you guys watched, what was the monologue? So in the monologue, uh, Jerry discusses uh, his parents arguing in the car and how uh, all arguments in the car come down to the angle at which other people are sitting in the car relative to the driver. That, for example, if you're sitting in the passenger seat and you say you're almost out of gas you can't actually see the correct angle of the arm, and it's actually at full. Also, you cannot see the correct uh, display for the speed on the car as well. I gotta get these DVD versions. Uh, So, (laughs) I I guess it'll be hard to discuss with two out of the three of us, but I'll tell you, I actually think it's funny, because I used to always hear my parents in the car, like, I don't know, bickering about like speeds and stuff like that and uh roots was always a big one my mom always hated any route that my dad drove and my dad would always complain about the routes that my mom drove and then oh my god <laughs> I wow always, that's crazy uh because my mom always swears by like these shortcuts that oh. she like she she drives when my mom drives around she likes to go down every single road that she's never been down before and see where they come out on the other side. Like, I don't think she'd be having fun if she studied a map at home beforehand, but she likes to do this thing, and then she'll... If she sees an accident up ahead, she'll know that you can cut down this street through a bunch of residential areas and come out the other side. You know, I... I prefer, like, driving for the least number <clears throat> of, like like painful intersections or turns or like merge it like highway merges and stuff so like if i can stay on the same highway and then get off at the like last exit right before my destination even if i could like save five minutes or something on a like 20 minute trip Mm -hmm. uh but avoid like like a thing where you like merge left onto the highway and then like merge right off or something like something really not fun to do I'll uh, I'll pick the the route that's a little longer and a little easier drive. I don't know. You're depends. you're more of Cameron's mom's. Depends on if I'm coming or going. Because I like I like scenic routes. 
you know, if I'm going somewhere, you know, maybe I got I to gotta be somewhere by a time. So I'll try to take the, the fastest way. But if I'm coming home and nothing really pressing, I'll take some roundabout ways, see what the neighborhood has for me. I mean, my only experience uh, with Chris Young that stands out right now uh, with a car and his mom was when I actually, it was before I lived on Vancouver Island, uh, we had come out here for something with his mom and she mistakenly decided that it was a good idea to let Chris drive the car back to the ferry terminal. And if I did not hear his mom say, Christopher, you're going too fast. Oh yeah, uh, At least is. like three or four times. And then when Chris would go, <laughs> and just laugh <laughs> and just like continue to go as fast as possible down the highway. Uh, you laughed at your mom? Yeah. She says that all the time. So I just stopped listening. I mean, to be fair, it did feel very fast, but uh, no, Chris is such an fast. excellent driver, like a stock car driver. <laughs> hmm. uh, she's the worst for that. I mean, I've heard Chris's mom say, Christopher, slow down, so many times <laughs> in my life. Was that I... how she talks, too? Yeah, pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she said all the time, because Chris would always drive fast. Uh, I mean, residential areas. I don't know if you've slowed down with age, but when we were teenagers or, you know, just like 20, Chris, he used to like to... Uh, Put the foot down, you know? I like a heavy foot. I'm a fast driver. It's true. I do like to drive fast. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of driving, Jerry is picking up his parents from the airport. Uh, they're, they seem to be a little skeptical of this show that uh, Jerry is getting. Like, you know, they like seem happy, but they're more just like kind of like vaguely concerned and concerned about uh, concerned about George, you know, for how much money they're getting. But Jerry's dad, Morty, in this in the scene is like probably the most Morty we've yet seen in uh, in Seinfeld. He's really great. We he's get so a lot concerned of this in this episode. Yeah, he's so like concerned and you know doesn't believe that jerry makes money and like putting his nose into things and saying he'll solve problems he's great i love him yeah it's uh it's a great scene here in the car uh they've got that great callback to the what writer it's a sitcom line Mm -hmm. uh and then with morty he is he's just like in fine fashion he like I love the way he doesn't pay any attention to the conversation and just interjects with his own thoughts, whether they're relevant to the conversation or not. I feel like that's what I'm going to be like uh, as I age, even more than I am now. That's hard to imagine. (laughs) I think one of the things that Morty brings up, though, is a great question. He's upset about how uh, Helen made him eat fish as the Mm -hmm. in-flight meal. Would you guys ever eat fish on a plane? You know, if you're not sitting in first class, because I mean that sounds frightening to me. Yeah, I mean it's sketchy. It seems like you could get sick. Yeah, and like really sick. And you don't want to be sick on an airplane. Uh, no, no, you don't. Um, I I was really surprised that you know me. I'm a very fastidious person when it comes to these sort of things. I was actually shocked that I had never even considered the possibility 
of how bad that might be. Mm-hmm. Could be bad. Um, real bad. Though, I don't know, like, maybe... Do you think that airlines, like, optimize for, like, avoiding being sued? So maybe, like, they're extremely careful with, like, fish handling? Or maybe the fish you're getting on the the airline is just, like, a frozen fish stick? Uh, maybe. Because, I mean, it's probably pretty hard to get, like, sick from a frozen fish stick. Frozen fish stick. I prefer frozen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... It must be okay. I mean, for the most part, I feel like they must really be concerned with, you know, not poisoning people. Yeah, more than, like, the flavor of the food or anything. Yeah, but I am still a little freaked out by the possibility of, like, cheap food on a plane. Because plain food, let's face it, uh, is not just, like, a comedy writer's dream for no reason. Mm -hmm. It's, It's not great. Um, Although, have you, have you guys ever flown in anything, like, better than economy? Have you ever flown, like, business or... No, never. No. I flew just one time in executive class. Wow. Oh. Is uh, that just... better than business class? Yeah. And it was coming back from... <clears throat> when I was coming back from Europe. And I have to say, it was pretty good. The food was really nice. But even then... Even then, you know, I feel like unless you're in, like, first class in, like, one of those Arab Emirates planes or something like that, uh, you you know, there were still things where clearly it wasn't as nice as a restaurant anywhere, which is probably to be expected. You know, it's not like they have a big kitchen that they've set aside on the plane. But mm-hmm. the difference in quality of the food between that and uh, economy was amazing. They brought by the economy meals and... I already thought they kind of just looked like grayish lumps, but it looked even worse. Like I already had my meal and it kind of looked like they were bringing gruel by me and looking at it, I I was suddenly filled with like this sense that I was going to be rich forever. And it was like, oh, don't bring that commoner's food even close to me while I'm trying to eat. (laughs) Yeah. Just disgusting. I love how quickly you, uh, you like really settle into like your life of privilege. Well, I mean, when you get, when you get on the plane, I mean, you get to go on first. Like you're in before wheelchairs, <laughs> and then they sit you down. Wheelchairs are for poor people, Cameron. Rich people have bionic legs. That is true. And then they like they offer to bring you like a little coffee. They bring you like a little like fabric napkin and stuff. And then they gave me a coffee with. Uh, I got brandy, and then they also gave me a small bottle of uh, champagne so that I could drink champagne. And then all these people, these poor people with, like, their families who are, you know, normally the people I see boarding first, (laughs) come clambering in with, like, all their luggage and their, like, crying kids. And I'm just sitting there sipping brandy and champagne, watching them (laughs) desperately file into the plane. To be honest... When I'm filing on and I see people literally drinking champagne while people are taking their coats from them, I'm pretty irritated. Well, let me tell you, they looked irritated. Yeah. (laughs) You should try it. It was an amazing experience. Did you have the food? How was the food? He said it was delicious. Oh, yeah. The food was great. I had this, uh, I don't know, I had like a a salad with goat cheese and I don't know what else, uh, I think I had, like, steak and stuff for dinner. 
and I don't know, you have like in the the drink cart, you can just have as much as you want in terms of booze, as long as you don't get belligerent. So uh, I don't know, I had like different wines. They had different wine pairings for the different meals. Nice. Yeah, it was good. I mean, honestly, that was the last time I was on a. Oh no, it wasn't the last time I was on a plane. I guess I did go to. I went to Hawaii uh, this Christmas, um, but the flight is much shorter. But I tell you, like when I when I was in that plane in that moment, I was thinking like, this is it. I can never go on another plane again because it's only going to disappoint me. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. only it's only going downhill from here. So has it? Yes. So now when you go on a plane, do you feel like you're kind of like fallen from grace? Uh, you know, it's long enough since then that it's kind of like a hazy memory, like I'm remembering mm-hmm. another life. But mm-hmm. like when when I did go to Hawaii, um, it was on like a WestJet flight. So there is, I, I didn't at least have to see a business class, you know, I didn't have to see anything better. I think the next time I get on a plane that's, you know, probably like transatlantic or something where you're going to see a better class of seating that's when I'm going to be upset. You know, what I hate is when you're traveling with other people and that one person in your group gets like, they fly a lot or something. So they get a free upgrade to first class. They're always avoiding eye contact as you board like 15 minutes later, they're looking at their laptop or iPad or whatever. Well, would you rather they be like waving at you? I mean, I don't know what else they could do. They could give like a timid smile. Like I, I might appreciate that. Should, like, should they little, toast like, you with their champagne glass <laughs> as you shuffle back? <laughs> I feel like I feel like people in first class should all be allowed to wear bright colors, and everyone in coach should have to wear gray, just exclusively gray. <laughs> it's like you're getting onto the plane. They're like, "Here's your barrel of suspenders." Sir. <laughs> You just tattoo the poor people so we can identify them. I mean, like in real life. Yeah. Um, Is this happened to you a lot? I've never had that where I've been traveling with somebody else who goes like. Well, if you're like traveling with your boss or something, like usually, like in the jobs I've had, my bosses have tended to travel a fair bit, and they tend to get just automatic upgrades. Uh, Um, And so, like, they they load and they. you know, they automatically get first class and, you know, I'm, I'm in the back of the bus. Have you ever upgraded just like your standard economy seat? Have you ever done that? No, it's really expensive. So it's I did like, that. it's like twice the, <laughs> the cost of the flight usually. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was like the one I did it on, I forget what it was. It wasn't that much, but it was still like hundreds of dollars. Um, and they just like, you know, you're still sitting in economy, but they put this like little bib on your seats, like club class or something like that. And you know what? It was kind of nice. I, I still got the champagne. I still got to pre-board. Uh, but then all of a sudden I was still like around these people. So I was like the dirty family Wait, walks by so me. You I got to sit in the like bigger seats. No, so the, this this club class offering, it like upgrades your service to your economy seat. Like you get all sorts of additional accommodation, but you have the same seat. That doesn't seem worth it to me. No, well, let me tell you, I was I was like high step, and I'm like, this is still great. I got to pre board. Look at all these suckers coming in. I'm drinking champagne, and I'm, I got like a fancy meal. Uh, I got like I still got wine and stuff like that. And as I'm sitting there, high stepping it. You know, people still have to pass you to get to their seat and stuff like that. But I was in uh, the middle uh, of, like, 
an emergency exit row. So there's all this leg room in front of me. And so I didn't have to get up for anybody to get in. But I'm sitting there and this lady comes over and deposits herself into the seat next to me and immediately flags down the attendant and asks for a seatbelt extender. Mm. I wasn't feeling so good about... That's right, Chris. Was she a large lady? That's right, Chris. I get it. See, the thing is, I feel like with this, like, club class, you're... I mean, you're getting this champagne, and then the people next to you either... They're just going to straight up resent you because they know that you like paid for this extra club class or they're not going to understand that. And they're just going to be like, where's my champagne? And like get into an argument with the the stewardess and then just feel resentful to you afterwards. I feel like there's no win here. (laughs) Well, I got taught a lesson, honestly. And I was on the flight with my dad and he's just before we get on the flight, he makes this comment about like, Oh, uh, you know, you'll be fine as long as, you know, the person next to you doesn't ask for a seatbelt extender. And he kind of like laughs. When that lady asked for the seatbelt extender, I could see my dad and he was looking at me and he was laughing. (laughs) He was laughing at me because I was just starting. We were at the beginning of, I don't know what it was, like a nine hour flight or something. And (sighs) I just wanted to throttle him. (laughs) And this lady was super nice. But I tell you, like, I'm going to go ahead and say right now, it's... It's a bad sign when the person next to you asks for that seatbelt extender because you're just—it's not going to be as comfortable. They're small seats. I think we need to move on in the show. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So uh, next we got George and Susan in the car. Presumably they've just been on a date, and uh, George, after some waffling, decides they're going to pass on the show. Susan obviously is incredulous, but it's because George says they're not getting enough money. And Susan, you know, tries to talk him down and eventually relents. And then uh, she gives him some Cuban cigars from her dad. George is immediately stressed. George George is an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, why would he turn this down? Um, What is his rationale aside from his obsession with Ted Danson? He's as good as Ted Danson. He's not. He's worse. I like how Susan looks him in the eye and says, you're not Ted Danson. Yep. (laughs) I mean, George has had no job for how many seasons now? Three? All of them, pretty much. Yeah, he loses it in the first, second season, I think, actually. Yeah, so, well, the first season's only, what, four or six episodes long or something? So, uh... George is a moron, and his obsession with Ted Danson is crazy. And just to, like, reaffirm how insane George is, Susan gives him this gift, an incredibly expensive and possibly dangerous gift, Cuban cigars in the United States, illegal. Um, And George's response to the gift is to stress out about what work it may have generated for him, what Mm -hmm. he might have to do to express his gratitude for this gift. Yeah. But to write a note? Oh, that'd be nice. Oh, what I put in this note? <laughs> yep. Um, you know, I never used to understand why everyone made a big deal about Cuban cigars. I didn't realize they were illegal in the United States until I was like a teenager. And so people used to like, oh, Cuban cigars. I'm like, oh, yeah, you can buy those anywhere. Yeah, you know, is 
Is it actually illegal to have them in the United States or is it just illegal to import them? Um, I don't actually know. I know for sure it's illegal to import them. Yeah. But, you know, it's also... No, I think it must be illegal to possess it because if it's illegal to import, you're not allowed to possess it, right? So, like, Kinder Eggs? Hmm. Uh, if they would confiscate them from you. Yeah, I don't know. Um... Yeah, you guys so want to any- start a Kinder Egg smuggling operation? <laughs> uh, so, anyway, uh, back in the car with Jerry's parents, uh, there's a seed for a future problem where Jerry's mom asks about the watch they gave him. And if you remember from the previous episode, Jerry just threw it in the trash when he was with George because it didn't work. But Jerry does not want to tell this to his parents. Says it's being repaired. And his dad insists on paying for the watch. Jerry's a pretty bad liar, uh, we learn in this episode. I don't know if we've really seen him lie before, but it, it's it's no good. Do you guys notice how clumsily they handle that flashback in this scene? So when yeah, it didn't she, when seem like the same footage. I think it was, but I mean, they don't even do like the little like dream noise and like the little wavy. It's just kind of like cuts to it, like very jarringly, and they have all the background noise from the street. Like, I don't know. Like, normally in Seinfeld in the later seasons, whenever they do that, they almost do... Sometimes they do an actual, like, picture-in-picture, or they, like, fade the audio in and out. But in this, it was just, like, it just cut. It was just a hard cut on the audio. Really strange, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, But this scene is another really great scene. Uh, Jerry's parents are fantastic. I, I think they're, like, they bring so much to the show. Uh, especially the recast dad. Uh, like when his dad's insisting to pay for that, like gas, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're just like reaching over top of each other. And Jerry suspects that they think he doesn't make any money. (laughs) I love when, I love when Jerry says I make money, his dad, like sarcastically, he's like, Oh, I know you make money. (laughs) (laughs) It's really great though. I, I really like the scene. I think that. I don't know. Their their relationship feels genuine, and there's something very, uh, I don't know. There's something very parent-child relationship that is in here, where like, you know, the parents continue to kind of feel like that they need to take care of their their kid, and uh, you know, it's like reaffirmed later in the episode when uh, Helen's got that obsession with Jerry being a likable child. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe it's just me. Maybe uh, maybe I'm. I don't know, maybe it's something to do with me that I think they're so great, but I, I think they're fantastic. Yeah, I love them. Uh, yeah, I think they're great. I think they do a great job acting in this episode, even better than the Florida episode. Um, okay, so uh, when they get to Jerry's apartment, Kramer pops in, and he's drinking a Pepsi and is clearly showing the label. Is this, like product placement do you think um i'm not totally sure i i did notice that as well but uh because in later seasons of the show they actually when the show's so popular they actually have enough money that they make generic cans that look like pepsi or coke cans but are not Mm -hmm. so i feel like they would probably still just have product placement then because they'd be happy to make more money Mm -hmm. so i 
I don't think this is. I think this is just. I think it's just a can of Pepsi. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Because uh, there's no way that wouldn't have been like wouldn't have cost money in the uh, in like the later seasons or like whatever. It's I'll- it's weird. Although it's funny that you that it's Michael Richards because Michael Richards in 1994 did a series of Pepsi commercials. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, and he's kind of like he's kind of in the role of Kramer, like kind of unofficially. He works <laughs> for the the Nash, what is it? It's like the International in the Institute for Beverage Research, and he's kind of walking around and does weird stuff. But he's so clearly Kramer. I'm going to go ahead and throw this into the show notes. Um, yeah. I, I think about these all the time because I, in my mind, which, as we've discussed the rule on this episode, basically always means it's not true. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my mind, there, I always thought there was a Pepsi commercial with George and Elaine or Jerry and Elaine in a Chinese restaurant talking about how she's no good with uh, chopsticks. But I can never seem to find it. But anyway, I don't think check, I've ever def- seen that. Definitely check out this uh, commercial with uh, with Michael Richards when you get the chance. Oh, yeah. these coffee Julies look stupid. Yeah, they're dumb. <laughs> where did you see? Did you where did you send that link? Uh, it's on Glassboard. It's on oh. it's on Glassboard, Grandpa. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and so guys suck. Uh, in the scene. <laughs> are you dying over there no <laughs> do you need do you need a water break or something no i want to see these coffee they just look like stones what are these things <laughs> that's basically what they are these look retarded no i don't think i'm buying any of these <laughs> um <laughs> i get it they look like beans i get it Moving on. Okay. So, so yeah, uh, we see more great acting from uh, Jerry's parents in this episode. You know, like, uh, there's that scene where uh, Jerry's mom is obsessed with the idea that people might not like Jerry, uh, which is caused because they tell him that Crazy Joe Devola is after Jerry. Uh, and I like how Jerry's dad says he's going to make a few <laughs> phone calls. How Jerry's dad says he's going. Bless you. Trying to hit that mute button fast enough, but it's not always easy. Uh, I like how Jerry's dad says he's going to make a few phone calls to solve this problem for Jerry. <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> like, who's he going to call? I like the part where, uh, where Jerry's dad's like, I can see some people not liking him. <laughs> oh boy uh yeah um yeah it's pretty good so anyway uh kramer really like pushes the situation with the watch when he says that like he asks like jerry where he's getting it repaired and he's gonna help him get the watch back tomorrow jerry's obviously concerned because it's a lie and he's not gonna be able to solve it I don't know. Well, Jerry, Jerry just kind of digs himself in deeper here. So there's a few things about this scene. Uh, number one, this is one of the first really big Kramer cheers. When he walks in that door, really loud, really big cheer. Um, 
I love, I love Morty's uh, observation about his pants in the middle of like nowhere, uh, mm-hmm. which is like Patrick as an old man. These pants are very comfortable. <laughs> you know what I paid for these. Uh, but did you guys notice in the background of the scene that Kramer's or Michael Richards doing some really strange background acting? He's doing that obvious thing where. Uh, you're just moving your lips and making hand gestures, but not talking. Uh, and it looks like he's telling Morty about the levels idea. You know, his uh, apartment, his apartment in levels. Yeah. He's just like stacking his hands and moving his arms around. He looks like a mime back there. Yeah, it's. Uh, he's really still in the show here. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, so Jerry's kind of back to the watch here. Jerry's really digging a hole. And I, I mean, he's so suspicious when we talk about bad liar, or as you brought up, bad liar. He, and that threatening gesture with the knife towards Kramer, my God. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this is just another one of those things where Kramer's just kind of brutal sometimes. Like this is like this is okay, not on the same level of uh, you know assumption, but like when Kramer's like, "Oh, Elaine, you should move in here. Jerry can." Jerry can loan you the money. <laughs> yeah, they're like $10,000 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, Kramer just comes in to be completely oblivious to how Jerry actually feels. and just. Uh... Yeah, it's funny that you say he's being brutal, because I don't think he really wants to hurt Jerry in this situation. He just is completely unable to read people's signals, like social yeah. cues. yeah. Like the knife? (laughs) What could that mean? (laughs) Oh, we gotta wrap this up, huh, Chris? I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna label this episode explicit. (laughs) The knife that carries like banging into the wood blocker. Did you like he's not not getting his point across? I think it's just called a like a cutting board. Cutting board. What did I say? Wood blocker? That's not a thing. <laughs> no. Nope. Not a thing at all. Um, so anyway, uh, we end up getting to the point of Morty's trip to New York. He is going to see this back specialist. And uh, there's another callback to the episode with the uh, the visit where Jerry went to Florida. Florida. Where the sofa, like the folding sofa that he slept on, gave him a bad back. Uh, and, you know, actually, like, even Elaine mentioned that maybe, like, <laughs> it was that sofa that caused the problem. And, like, well, don't laughed. you remember? Elaine was, like, crippled and they gave her those, oh. like, drugs and Jerry was wearing the sunglasses because his eyes were all destroyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the disastrous trip. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. So this is why Morty's here. And... Uh, he gets there and they banter for a bit and he has to fill out this crazy long form when he gets to the doctor. Uh, eventually he just refuses and puts his name and address and that's it. I didn't uh, even know that was an option. I'm going to do that the next time I go to the doctor because those forms. Yeah, they're no good. Yeah. I just uh, love when it's like, he's like, no, you got my name and address. That's enough for you. Yeah. I like how what Morty objects to when he's filling out this form in particular is the question, have you ever had a sexually transmitted disease? <laughs> he's like, that's it. Yeah. No, well, I'm taking care of this, Helen. To be honest, I don't know why a back specialist would need to know that. Though maybe there's some sexually transmitted disease that causes back problems. I suppose that's possible. 
back herpes? I don't know, like maybe like tenses your muscles or something. Uh, the tenseness. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Also in this scene, though, uh, when we're talking about the sofa, I do really like, as Morty points out, and lots of people do this, where Helen defends it, like defends the sofa like it's her child or something like that, or like it did some great favor for her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people can be so defensive about their own things, and I'm sure I've been just as guilty of this as anybody else. But it is really funny, especially in this situation where, like, this is a this is a known offender. This sofa, this pullout sofa, and yet Helen's like, "No, we got it from a good place. It's good." Yeah, I, I definitely like can uh, can sympathize. Like, even if I buy like a food product or something, and I'm trying something new. I make it. I make sure I'm really sure I don't like it before I eventually don't eat it. Like I'll eat a first bite and I'll be like, "Oh, I don't like this," and then, like, I'll like rationalize and be like, "You know, maybe it's just an acquired taste. Maybe I just gotta, <laughs> I just gotta try it some more. Maybe I need to continue to eat this rotten piece of fruit." Yeah. Yeah, it's no good. So anyway, I sympathize with Helen here. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So, um, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I I do sympathize with Helen. (laughs) Uh, we, we cut back to the apartment and Jerry and George are meeting there and Jerry is understandably upset that George passed on the, uh, the offer and, George makes it even worse by being super patronizing with Jerry. He talks to him in like a baby voice and explains that he's negotiating, but he talks to him like this. Uh, it's, uh, it's extremely irritating and Jerry is understandably upset. I mean, you know, for Jerry, it sucks. And for Jerry, he actually, I think is underreacting to this because Jerry's like only a semi-famous comic right now on this in the world of the TV show. And this is a chance to have a huge break. And George has totally screwed it up. And yet he's like, he's not absolutely furious. He's actually just more gobsmacked that George doesn't see that he's being an idiot. That's because Jerry has a job. But Jerry has a job. But like, this is like, okay. So Chris, it's it's a huge, it's a huge break for him too. But like, I think, I don't know. On some level, Jerry's probably pretty confident that he's going to be okay in his career as a comedian. Whereas the next time he gets offered to make a sitcom, he's just not going to bring George along. Uh, yeah. Although, I mean, I don't know how often this is like coming up. It's like, well, George screwed this one up. Uh, just next time. Next time I won't time. bring him along. All the time. I got offered a sitcom yesterday. Mm-hmm. I said, yes. Mm, great. What's it called? What's it about? Uh, it's called the Chris Show. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, is it, it kind of like the Chris Rock Show? No, because it's not. It's not little like young me. It's it's me now. It's a it's like a reality show. More. This camera's in my room right now. Uh huh. This We're is going to be do, a ripping episode. I know. We're going to do a. Like a talking head thing in a minute where I talk about, you know, what it's like recording the podcast and being me all the time. Is mm-hmm. it like a VH1 special sort of thing, though? 
That's right. Yeah, I'm on cribs. They're just they're just really just talking about my apartment. It's cribs. Remember cribs? Mm-hmm. Cribs. <laughs> uh, but uh, hey, do you want to hear my impression of Chris Young right now? <laughs> no. yeah, yeah, go for it. Don't ever go against the family. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Oh boy. Um, So so back at the doctor, we get a bit more Morty. Um we might as well talk about the rest of the doctor scenes here. Uh so Morty is super impatient in the waiting room. I feel like this is well-covered territory on Seinfeld that people don't like waiting in the waiting room. Uh, but Morty takes it to the next level. And is, is it like, well-covered? When did we do this last time? Uh, I feel like they've talked about the waiting room. There was the episode where George... I said eight. I said a rest well, and a month from now, this Hollywood big shot's going to give you what you want. Uh, they start shooting in a week. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. What are you talking about, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's the episode where uh, George is uh, hes at seeing a chiropractor, and they talk about the waiting room, don't they? Is that before or after this? Uh, I don't know. Oh. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so distracted by, uh, by Chris's <laughs> voice. Okay, so we're... <laughs> <laughs> I've totally lost track here. Okay, so okay. what about so, yeah. George in a waiting room here? <coughs> uh, I was talking about how it's kind of like well-covered territory in Seinfeld, how waiting in the waiting room is the worst. But maybe it's not. Maybe that's a later episode where they talk about that, how you start in the one room and go to the other, like a little or waiting room. But maybe that's just Jerry Seinfeld stand-up. Yeah, no, but he does do an episode of that in the show, and there's lots of episodes with waiting rooms um Um, anyway it doesn't matter the morty really takes it to the next level here he's he's rooting around the the waiting room and then just he starts like shouting he says like let's go already and like i could die in here Uh, (laughs) and uh you know eventually the nurse comes we learn morty hates velcro and uh, uh they leave the room they come back Morty's wallet is stolen. Did you guys notice that chair in that room is just enormous? Oh, I didn't. Well, it's a big chair. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, he looks like he's commanding the Enterprise if he got up on that thing. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Morty just leaves without getting his diagnosis. <laughs> uh, which seems like a big mistake to me. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a it's an enormous mistake, and I'm actually surprised that Helen's not more forceful about him getting the diagnosis in this moment because she's in the room when he flatly refuses and calls the doctor a bum. Mm-hmm. Um, I do really like the uh, ac- that accusation though that like the doctor's office is a crooked operation where they get people to take their pants off so they can steal the wallet. Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems clearly insane, but I feel like uh, Morty has demonstrated 
very well that he's insane. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Velcro thing's a weird tick as it is. It's like a weird aside. It's almost like they needed an extra like 40 seconds to fill the episode. So they just mm-hmm. have the story about the Velcro. I mean, it does set up for the next episode, but... Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a lot of like setting things up, like things mentioned in a scene that just seem kind of like non sequiturs. And then uh, we like later learn, you know, like there's a big plot point around it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Morty, Morty leaves, very upset. Uh, back at the apartment, George is talking about how he doesn't want these Cuban cigars that uh, Susan's father nicely gave to him. I guess they made him nauseous. Uh, and he gives them to Kramer. Kramer's very excited. And yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, it is kind of funny, though, because Kramer's not even in the apartment. George offers something to Jerry, and then Kramer just, like, flies in, like, the I don't know, like Jerry's apartment's been tapped by Kramer and he's just sitting over there with headphones listening for someone to offer something to Jerry. He just has a sense for something that is free. <laughs> is it cheapness? I guess so. Cheapness uh, is a sense. And we also learn that Elaine is back and wearing a crazy romper. <laughs> yeah. Did you see this like onesie oh, yeah, she's she wearing? She's wearing a romper. Well, and it's... she's wearing it with a vest, a translucent vest. I felt like she was trying to go for something like, I'm a genie. Yeah. It's funny though, because uh, uh, like we're seeing some of the like cyclicity of like fashion in this episode, because that is kind of like a look right now, a romper. Uh, and so it's it's funny seeing Elaine wear this 20 years ago. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. She just looks like a genie. I, I just couldn't really get past it. I had to kind of stop looking at her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, the whole thing is strange. And I was actually so uh, taken aback by the odd vest that I didn't even notice the romper until uh, later. Uh, because that vest, like, it is so stupid. Mm-hmm. Every, all girls wear stuff like this now. It's like all, all the 90s stuff has come back. Mm-hmm. No one's learned anything. I haven't seen anyone wearing like a genie costume yet, though. Uh, my girlfriend used to make these sort of things and wear them all the time. Genie costumes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'd jump out of the lamp and scare the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> like she wouldn't grant any of my wishes. <laughs> Not even the easy ones. <laughs> Uh, so it is nice for well Elaine to be in her ability to grant. It is nice that Elaine's back. Sexually, <laughs> yeah. I'm talking. So, do you think so, it's funny that Kramer's first instinct that the delivery person is like a robber, and that Jerry's like allowed, I don't know, like a jewel thief into the building? Uh, all the, it's. It's, He's right. It, I mean, Gary's just too easy. Oh, sure, you can come in. But I mean, the more suspicious gets... part was the person's voice that they didn't just go Postal Express. That the person like Postal Express. That's when I would have been suspicious. <laughs> the strange voice the person was clearly doing over the over the intercom. Gary's very trusting. That, I guess so. He relies on the th- fact that everyone <laughs> likes him. But when they when she knocks at the door. And she stills like Postal Express, and everyone 
kind of stands around the door ready to fight off this attacker. I actually thought it would have been great if Kramer was just keyed up because he's got that like rolled up magazine and just like smacked Elaine when she came in. Yeah, I was thinking uh, that would happen actually. <laughs> but uh, I think in a later season it, it probably would have. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's great. And so f- further in this scene, talk about strange background acting and they then they address it uh, directly. But did you guys notice that George is literally just, like, shoving peanut butter into his face in the background? Yeah, he's yeah. with his finger. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's really like, weird. What's I wrong mean, with him? It is a really disgusting scene, but I can't understand why they included it in the, the show. Like, it has nothing else to do with the thing. And, like, Jerry doesn't even have a good response to it when, when George says he's doing it because he's not eating bread. Jerry just responds, you're not eating bread. Like, that's the only response. It's very strange. Yeah, it's... <laughs> uh, but I do like the way Jerry says it, that, like, you're off bread. Like, <laughs> yeah. he does <laughs> It's almost like George has used this excuse before as a reason to, like, just shove, like, various, like, confections directly into his mouth. Like, you know, like, Jerry comes out of the bathroom and George is just kind of like licking the inside of a jam jar or something. He's like, but Jerry, I can't eat bread anymore. Yeah, it's weird. It does almost seem like a spoof, though. Um, uh, like, a spoof of what? <laughs> like they would have, have you, uh, remember that really weird uh, comic you sent me once with the, uh, <laughs> where it was like a Seinfeld universe where there are holes like tears in the universe appearing and if people fall on them they come out as an owl version of themselves <laughs> yeah that th- this kind of reminds me of one of these comics where george is like i can't eat bread jerry i can't i gotta eat it like this <laughs> and like or maybe george develops like potentially like a, a metal allergy and he can't use utensils anymore yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. that's that's what this reminds me of it's so goofy and strange um we'll put that comic in the show notes but uh yeah it is it is very strange um yeah i don't know what else to say about it speaking of strange elaine is trapped in this relationship with her psychologist or psychiatrist psychiatrist um which i mean seems really unethical uh i think we talked about how it was unethical before but uh, it's it's weird. Um, and then Kramer lights his hair on fire. Uh, yeah. So I actually cannot get over the fact that Elaine dating the psychologist is exactly the awful thing that Chris was talking about in our last episode. Mm-hmm. Where, and Elaine literally yeah. is playing into it that this guy knows everything about her and he totally manipulates her. And in that scene, which we'll talk about momentarily, it's really creepy. Like, it's really unsettling. Confirming yeah. that Chris Young is a creep. I know, right? Uh. I know these things. <laughs> I know these things. So, so, yeah. So, like, we might as well carry on with Elaine. Elaine is at the, <laughs> at the psychiatrist. Elaine is trying to break up with him. She tells him there's someone else, and uh, he's not ready to deal with it. And then there's a weird, like, a cut where he gets a phone call to psychologist or a psychiatrist, and the person on the phone is Bobo. <laughs> he's like, "Oh yes, Bobo, 
yeah, it's just passed on past us on 182nd Street and blah blah blah, and then. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, then he just hangs up the phone with Bobo, and then continues like nothing happened. He doesn't even explain who Bobo is. And then and then he brings up. He says he's concerned about Elaine and brings up the dream where she had a sexual encounter with a Chinese woman. <laughs> he also brings up that, I guess, in the past, Elaine has had a problem where she urinates a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah we, really, we learn a lot about Elaine right here. Uh, yeah. More than I need to know, to be honest. <laughs> it's a really, really weird scene. Uh, and... It's both unsettling and funny at the same time, uh, but this doctor is like a real creep. And at the same time, like I feel like we're just seeing a, a layer of Elaine's psyche that I didn't even realize was there. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird. Although um, I, I kind of wondered if it was like one of those things where Elaine just says stuff, where like that thing about a sexual encounter with a Chinese woman, where she's just kind of like lying. Because I feel like. We're still oh to see more like to see more glamorous yeah because we're kind of like although here's the thing with Elaine right now we're still on the precipice of where Elaine is um oh my phone's making noise uh, we're still at the precipice where Elaine is becoming the Elaine that I think we know her as um, in this episode we start to see her make the like the blur faces, the tells, and she's got kind of like that goofy demeanor. She is really starting to become kind of like one of the guys, but she's still a much more open and honest character right now. She's not quite, quite, quite the same shallow level as the other characters are. I mean, she will be very soon this season, but there's still a little bit of it in this scene, especially with this weird doctor that you see that she's not quite like the others. Like, I feel like if George was there, he'd be getting mad or he'd just be like sloughing it off or trying to ignore it or whatever. It's like, it's it's not quite there with Elaine for me. And this scene kind of shows it, but that's it's a whole other ball of wax. <laughs> that old saw. The old um, wax ball. And so Elaine tries to get out of this by saying she's dating Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> because the psychiatrist insists on a name. She... He thinks it's very important that he speaks to this young man. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how Elaine's getting out of this one. I actually kind of forget what happens. You can and you will. Yeah, it's it's He's really like freaking, creepy. Honestly, like, this guy reminds me of, like, a young grandma of Tarkin. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't Before... believe that's the first, first time grandma of Tarkin's come up on our podcast. Hey. That popular, just, well-known character. Before he became, before he became a Grand Moff, he was a psychiatrist. I feel like Grand Moff Tarkin was one of the few pieces of just really good casting in the prequels, though. Like when you see him at the end of Episode Three, you're like, dude, could probably be Grand Moff Tarkin. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like your medication is kicking in. <laughs> uh, so, in the last scene of the episode, 
Jerry. <laughs> Jerry's in the restaurant with his parents. They're meeting Uncle Leo. Uncle Leo is pretty mad at uh, Morty, saying they were going to call the police on him because he just walked out of the doctor without paying. I like how in the restaurant here, everyone has a perfectly untouched quarter slice of bread on their on their plates. Everyone has one. Even Leo's spot on the table where before he comes into the restaurant, there's just this perfect slice of bread sitting there. It feels like the worst set dressing I've seen on Seinfeld for this restaurant. It is the most soulless fake restaurant set I've seen in a while. Hmm. Doesn't the set dresser know that they're all off bread? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's why, well, they're going to bring them out just four tubs of peanut butter in a moment. Um, now one of the things that, uh, doesn't really bother me, but I always notice on Seinfeld is that they are so loud in this scene. And I can't believe that for the amount of times that these characters are essentially yelling at each other at monks, at restaurants, in all sorts of public spaces, how few times we actually see the show address that other people live in that world, that other people would react to all this yelling. Like, as they do this, everyone else, no one looks their way. Everyone continues to have their nice little dinner and talk to each other in the background. Um, and I actually think that there's something there for for a joke sometimes, for, like, other people around to react to, you know, the gang. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it is real loud and TV-ish that they're all, like, yelling all the time. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, it's TV. Obviously, you you can accept that it's not reality and that people aren't always going to react to it. But I think it would be funny, right? You know, they're all out at the one nice restaurant set for Seinfeld. It would be funny to, like, see people approach them and yell at them or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or if there was... A family or like people at a restaurant who are talking as loudly as they are and it like kind of interrupted their ability to talk loudly <laughs> yeah <laughs> now i would like to claim great vindication in this scene because uncle leo takes that watch and he gets it fixed and he talks about how you can't just throw out a watch what sort of idiot would throw out a watch and what did we say last week about the watch I forget. You can't throw it out. Can't throw it out. Yeah. Can't do it. Look what happens. Bad things happen. Yeah. Uncle Leo. <laughs> blowing up and your they, spot. And then they've got a really weird and cheesy to be continued moment. Can we continue this later? And then yeah. to be continued. It was a real uh, full house moment. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. Who do you think thought off that line? That's a pretty bad line. Yeah, it's really cheesy. Um, yeah. So what did you have on the uh, outro here, Patrick? Oh, uh, so I was just saying, like, uh, he talks about how the the to be continued is upsetting. Like, you're watching the episode and they have so many threads open and you know they're not going to be able to finish it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, in general... So wait, like that that's your outro? That was the... Uh, the ending monologue for you yeah what was your opening monologue 
I thought no, no, that no, there was no, there was no ending monologue. It was just nothing. It just said to be continued. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's that was the outro monologue for the the original version. So yeah, yeah. And so so yeah, they're talking about how there's there's so many threads. It's kind of upsetting, and I understand. Like, <clears throat> is the main reason that TV series do this? I mean, I can see two primary reasons. Like, one is like. They just want to tell a lot of story in one episode and end up with uh, end up with uh, like this to be continued, or like it's a way to like have more viewers because they're forced to come back for the next episode if they're enjoying it. So, well, there was there's a few different reasons why they did it back in the day, and the the format of television has changed a lot for it. But back in the day, they either did it uh, because it was often ratings drivers. So like you just said, uh, people had to come back. So they, they loved like two-part finales or two-part uh, openers because you would have uh, a larger viewer base in theory because like a, a larger story arc was like a bit of a draw. Um, but they also did it sometimes for shows that they were hoping to uh, to like bury quickly. Uh, they would like, if, they, if a show found out it was being canceled, uh, they notoriously had multi-part episodes at the end because they needed to jam in as much story as possible to just wrap up the show. Um, but it's funny. But because... if they're canceling the show, why even bother? I guess because they want they want those ratings that they yeah. have. And, or like the they want to... The, the creators need to like find a way to write, like write a quick end to the story. And they can't just like take it off the air instantly. They need something to fill that spot. So I see. Um, but it's funny because I was... I have some notes about it here. Back in the day even though they knew it was a ratings driver, basically no networks were willing to uh, continue with like heavy serialized television like we have right now so much, right? Like there's so many shows that are just every week, it's like a cliffhanger and it continues and whatever. Um, but back in the day, they were just like way too afraid that it was too much for people, that people wouldn't do it because, you know, this is like the era of the sitcom right now. And I think it's pretty funny because obviously the appetite is there. Like we know that looking back at this episode 20 odd years later. Um, but like back in the day, this must've driven people crazy because actually for me, I'm in like a sitcom mindset when I watch Seinfeld. And for us, like this has been way too many two part episodes in a row. Like it's driving me crazy. Yeah. It's pissing me off. Uh, I'm actually surprised that they had, uh, had the brass to open up, Seinfeld season four, a show. So this is still like this is the breakout season. It still didn't have great ratings yet. To open up the season on uh, three two-part episodes. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Uh, I wonder what they were thinking. They're jerks. <laughs> well, and they have so few two-part episodes on Seinfeld later <sighs> on. Um, there's the Bottle Drive and the Cadillac are the only two-part episodes I can think of uh that are other two-parter episodes left to come yeah i don't know maybe the finale is that was that two episodes it must have been yeah i feel like there maybe yeah yeah uh the yeah i think the finale was an hour-long special something like that yeah and that's i can't think of anything else that's two-parters bottle drive and the cadillac yeah Hmm. Um, so what do you guys oops sorry 
So what did you guys think of this episode? Um, well, as I was saying right then and there, uh, I think it's a pretty funny episode, actually, for the most part. Uh, Jerry's parents, awesome. But I'm getting, I'm getting tired of all these two-part episodes. It's, it's too much. It's just too much uh, to ask, I feel like. Um, because this episode actually i think is a bit better i think the second half of the episode carries the weight a little bit better than the other episodes and then we have like a real classic episode coming up soon after this point uh or we have lots of like classics coming up after this point to be honest um so right now it's kind of like going through the motions but this episode pretty good chris yeah it's pretty good i liked it um i i liked it a lot i like Morty and Helen a lot. I thought they did a great job the whole the whole episode through. Uh, I feel like this thread with Elaine's psychologist or psychiatrist is great. Uh, I like George refusing the show. It's good. Mm-hmm. A lot of good stuff going on. I was so, never bored when I was watching it. For the record, the pilot, um, the raincoats. The Cadillac, the bottle deposit, and then the two clip shows and the finale are the other two-parter episodes to go. So, only this this season has the most two-part episodes by a wide margin. Yeah, hmm. like those episodes are all spread across the rest of the series. So, in this one season, I think they have the same amount of two-part episodes in this one season as they do for the rest of the entire series. Crazy. Um, <laughs> We're just yeah. killing it. Especially with Chris Young being like so under the weather today. We just got all this constant background chatter. He just won't stop. It's called banter, Cameron. And we've got it. We're um, bantering like it's... Like it's we're bantering like it's 1999. <laughs> so, Chris Young, uh, are, you, are you going to be able to hold on for other business, pal? Are you going to make it? Oh, there's other business. We can make it quick. Yeah, let's do that. We can let you go. Do you want to go? Patrick and I can talk other business. Oh, what's other business? No, let me just see it. Okay, well, so, as always, we would like to direct you to whatsthedealshow.com. And there you can check out the other business link for today's episode as well as all the show notes and all the other great things that we'll have in store for you there all right patrick uh why don't you take us into other business okay so uh the other day um this uh organization the ugly animal preservation society picked their mascot and it is the blobfish. So, I mean, basically, the news story doesn't matter that much. All you really need to do is type blobfish into Google image search. Take a look at the pictures. I mean, uh, he looks it like, looks like a cartoon character. It's, he looks it's like Dilbert. Great. If Dilbert is not <laughs> He does not look like Dilbert. Yeah, it okay, looks, maybe that's Dilbert. It like looks more looks, like a cartoon character's face has melted. Like, that fish looks like it should have a pocket protector. <laughs> it, looks like a, it looks like the unhappy accountant fish. 
Okay, so Patrick, why don't you read us a little bit more of the news story, though, just so we have a, a sense of why the blobfish is in the news right now. Uh, so, uh, well, why don't you read it? I feel like you're better at reading the, the story. <clears throat> oh, sure. So, uh, blobfish wins ugliest animal vote. Uh, the grumpy-looking, gelatinous blobfish has won a public vote to become the official mascot of the Ugly Animal Preservation Society. This gives the fish the unofficial title of World's Ugliest Animal. Isn't that a kink song? (laughs) (laughs) The the society began as a science-themed comedy night and devised its mascot campaign to draw attention to aesthetically challenged threatened species. Uh, Also on the list uh, is the huge-nosed proboscis monkey, uh, a pig-nosed turtle, and an amphibian affectionately known as a scrotum frog. Yeah. Also, pubic lice also made the list. <laughs> uh, Wait, so... shouldn't pubic lice... Don't we want pubic lice to be endangered? <laughs> here's, here's the top five Are other, we protecting uh, pubic lice? We have the kakapo, uh, it's the world's only flightless parry, uh, parrot, so maybe we'll... I'll take a quick look on uh, Google image search here of a kakapo. <laughs> oh, that's not that ugly. It's kind of cute. Yeah, I like him. I don't know why he's I'm... ugly. He's not even close. But I do like it that a blobfish shows up in the image search results <laughs> for a kakapo. Yeah, there's the axolotl. <laughs> Yeah, a salamander that never grows up. Lives I, think the, I think the axolotl, it's like, it looks like a beautiful animal. I love it. He looks so happy. Yeah, he's fine. In fact, these other ones are all fine. I think blobfish is just the ugliest thing going. <laughs> that yeah. nothing was going to touch. He looks so sad. He is sad. He's endangered. Listen, Don Corleone, quit threatening me. All right. You know what? I stuck around for the business. I'm going back to bed. Everybody, go to iTunes, give us five stars. <laughs> Otherwise, you're dead to us. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye, Chris. I'll be back next week, maybe. Okay, want to wrap this up, Cam? <laughs> oh, man. That was, uh, that was amazing. Um, yeah, okay. Well, let's just go ahead and <laughs> wrap this up. <laughs> uh if you want to if you after you voted for us on uh itunes giving us some stars or whatever you can follow us on twitter we tweet at wtd show uh we're also on facebook if you go to facebook.com slash wtd show you can like us and all the episodes are posted there so if you want to keep track of the episodes don't want to miss one those are the best places to do it also as always i would like to encourage you to head over to what's the deal show.com Check out the show notes. Check out the back episodes. Check out the little pictures. We've got it all. We curate. We keep it pristine just for you, valued listener. Um, so <laughs> uh, next week on Seinfeld, we will be reviewing, and this is where it would be great if I had written down the name of the next episode. Season four, episode six. The watch in which uh, Jerry tries to undo a mistake by uh, buying back the watch from Uncle Leo. 
George realizes that his negotiating power might be slightly lower with NBC than he had predicted. And Elaine continues with her plan to break up with her psychotherapist with the aid of her new boyfriend, Kramer. Uh, George, meanwhile, (laughs) is uh, threatened with the prospect of accepting less money. And then, you know what? Do you know what episode we're watching after that? No. The Bubble Boy. Oh, the moops. (laughs) The moors. You know, Chris did the voice of the Bubble Boy for that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well... <laughs> uh yeah, that was that was that was interesting. I think this is our first episode where someone didn't make it uh like actually all the way to the very to the very end. Mm-mm. Poor guy. You think he's gonna be okay? You think he'll be back uh next week? Either that or we'll have to find a new co host. Yeah, how are we supposed to do that? Uh get Chris to do it. Oh, that's a good idea. All right. Well, as always, uh, a hearty thank you from Patrick Armstrong. Mm-hmm. From Christopher Young. <laughs> and from me, Cameron Wong. Thank you very much, and we'll be with you again next week. <laughs> Just got to have those queued up. I'm going to make them an offer, Cameron, if you... <laughs>